السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. السلام ورحمة الله. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah. Yourself? Alhamdulillah. Good, good. I feel like we might as well start the podcast off properly this time with with the salam and you know, alhamdulillah. So so conventional. We got yeah. We got some complaints, you know, on the last one. You know, we were you know we were discussing too much Philly and. That's York. not the last one. That's There's the one two, with uh, Mufti Niaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was the Super Bowl episode. Yeah. So to give them their money back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, then he, one one dude was like, "This is trash." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they went yeah. in, man. They went in. On I mean, that we were talking about Philly, so yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of trash. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. So. Uh, um, I I wanted to make a. I've been thinking about a lot of things, you know, the past few weeks. Um, and before I, we get to the heart of today's episode, which is Akida, and you know a lot of the th- principles behind Akida, the uh, different schools and, and usul behind it, I want to talk about something first, which you know has been on my mind not just for the past few weeks, but you know uh, for a long time now. Is uh, the and and it connects to Akida and and, and the human. Uh, principles and the impacts of the minds that are happening today that I notice. Uh, and it's the idea of designing for morality. Uh, it sounds really strange, but uh, when it comes to the product design community, especially in the software world, uh, it's become a, a big problem now, right? Is and, and I was recently listening to a talk. It's by a guy named Tristan Harris. Uh, I think the, the talk is time well spent. Shout out to my friend Nazmo Hassan who sent it to me. Um, basically, he talks about uh, companies like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Google. When they design things and their designers design things, it's, it's meant to capture the human attention, right? And so everything is built on this idea of human attention. And over time, they've actually done studies in the last 10 years that fame right uh, and and the idea of being known uh, used to be like on the 18th or 19th uh, ranking when it came to like came to like ambitions mm. and over the last like 10 or so years like now fame has risen to like absolute top number one right that's like, really yeah so that's what people want and it's a lot of people are blaming uh, technology and yeah. designers of technology for causing this so for example when you have a snapchat everybody wants a snap streak Right. Which uh, is tr- what is that? So, um, so it's you know you have Snapchats with your friends in a row in a streak. As soon as you stop sending a snap, I'm, uh, thankfully I I don't use it. So if I make yeah. a mistake, it's like a like a like a rally in tennis. Yeah, or yeah. So like it's that? yeah, it's kind of like a rally in tennis, right? So you have a snap streak, right? Or you have there's this concept of gamification, right, in apps where. They have it even in like uh, Islamic apps now, right? You read the Quran X number of times a day, and you'll be rewarded with like you know a a, a point. Yeah. Right? So, I thought you were going to quote a hadith or something. Yeah. No, no, no. And no, then no. you <laughs> compare it. You compare points with other. Yeah, you users. compare points mm-hmm. with other users. So it's socialized and gamified. Yeah. 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 So so the the idea is right now there's like this principle in in the design world, right? Is like designing ethically, right? Mm-hmm. Is like. Is the way we're designing apps and all this thing affecting human psychology and you know affecting that, people? Yeah, most definitely. You know that what you're saying. Capitalizing on it, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. capitalizing. Actually, you're, it. And it's important. It's a good thing you said capitalizing because I feel like it's easy to make the cause external, right? To be like, oh, this is this other thing is the reason why, you know, I I behave this way. 
but it's actually just enabling something inside of you. And you have to recognize that. I feel like that's something that, that you're capable of that you need to control. Not, yeah. it's not, it's not an app or it's not anything else that's making you do this. You're doing this. It's just, there's certain tendencies that are being enabled by, yeah, but by the technology. Thing is, I'm not sure if I totally agree with that, right? Because, um, an, another concept that uh, he also mentioned mentions in his talk, right? That, uh, when you think of, uh, AI that's being created, you know, today. So, you know, um, I, th- I forget which robot beat the guy in chess, right? I f- was it IBM's Watson who beat the guy in chess? I think it was Big Blue. Watson won in uh, Go. Jeopardy. Go. Jeopardy, Jeopardy. Mm. I, I might be wrong, but I know Google won in Go, right? So the point of that was like to teach a computer to be able to beat a human in a very highly complicated algorithmic game, right, such as Go. Uh, and when it's doing that, it's learning how to beat humans, right, mm. over time. And they're saying that, you know, the world of design it focuses on uh the currency's attention mm-hmm. right and ai is now being created to capture the attention of human beings yeah. so we've now created ai which is competing against our attention that's what it's trying to do right and we've created AI. So? so for example facebook's feed right the news feed or yeah. twitter's news feed yeah. or you know instagram right all the of algorithms it's, the algorithms are designed. It's AI at the end of the day, right? What to show you when, mm-hmm. right? Which friends comment to show you at the top, yeah. right? So such as, you know, uh, us four here, you know, we might follow a lot of Islamic scholars or people on Facebook. And so that's why we see a lot of this feminism crap, this liberalism stuff, right? All of this stuff. And, and we think it's like we're surrounded by it, but it's being fed to us by an AI or an algorithm, right? And so... The question that I'd like to pose is, right, is the answer to these problems, you know, uh, trying, you know, Muslims understanding all of these technology, technology uh, innovations and, and movements and building AI that's on our side? Right. So is it better to, you know, work with AI and technology and be involved in it and to build it so that it's on our side? So can we build addictive apps that make people read Quran more? I see what you're saying. Right. So that's where the question comes. Is like, are you designing for, like, are you ethically designing things? Are you causing, like, overall human psyche and psychology to yeah. become affected? Right. The, uh, the About a century ago, all this stuff was happening uh, in another field, which is weaponry. Mm. So around the time of Napoleon, all the weapons were still sabers, spears, right? And eventually that changed. But... They didn't. They had never seen the ramifications of it until World War One. But w- when they produced some of these machine guns, where you have a guy sitting and rolling his, uh, moving a uh, a lever in a circle, circular motion, and just mowing down human beings in front of him, right? Just turning this machine gun. And it used to be a machine gun. You sit down with it. Yeah, it was like a crank. It was like a crank. You're cranking and turning it. As you crank it, mm-hmm. it had like a, rot- it had a rotating set of bar- yeah. exactly. barrels. And you have these guys who've trained for a lifetime, right? To, for this moment, for the big battle, right? Is my mic loud enough, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're fine. Okay. Uh, for, <clears throat> he's training for the big battle, right? They, they've trained for a lifetime, like the samurai, for example, or the Sudanese, right? Uh, in uh, the great, their, their battle with Britain or other groups. And you have this guy with a stomach mowing them down right with was no that, was that as early as napoleon or was that no, World no, it was war after 
This is World War One, right? World War One and World War Two. Right? Yeah. So that's also came into question, and 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 just seeing that came into question. Uh, question a lot of World War One, you know, eyewitnesses. Oh, that's you know, they've never seen carnage like this before, right? Like the the forts that were protected with these machine guns, literally just mowing humans down. Like they've yeah. never seen this before. Right, right, right. So the question came up of like, okay, we well we build these weapons. Why, right? For what? What to what end to in, to safeguard one individual to safeguard what exactly right so that that those questions came up too in that period and I think it's two things right uh, whenever a product is unified right that it has solely to bring you this benefit right then you find out then it, it works when it's two pronged to bring you this benefit plus to suck the dollar out of you or to suck your eyeballs out right in other words to, to get your get your attention to get your attention that no. Not literally suck your eyeballs. I would suck your suck your attention in, right? Now you have a two pronged type of. That's where I think that second intention, that second purpose, is a problem, right? And yeah. I'll never forget this research that I saw of why it was a few universities in the country that had such a disproportionately high percentage of success uh, successful students. In other words, their students went on to succeed at a far disproportionately high level right, than other universities. And the reason was <clears throat> something that they never planned, something that was an accident, really, is that these universities had no glitter to them, no, nothing special. You didn't, their, their dorms were bland. The campus was bland. The city in which the campus was, was bland. That's what the researchers came to the conclusion of, that you went in there, you weren't distracted by, wow, look at this building. Even the name of the university, like the reputation, was not like, wow, look, at, I'm, I'm in such and such, right? The food offered, the gyms, everything about it was brought down, was down, bland. So the students there in those universities, that actually opened them up their attention to focus on the purpose that they were there and get out of there, right? So likewise, a lot of these apps is I think it's two pronged. The first prong is to bring you a benefit. The second prong is to get your dollar or to get your attention, one or the other. And usually now it's the opposite. The, the intention from the get go is to uh, get your attention, get you to click, and then you know finding something that would benefit you is secondary. Yeah, like I mean, when when I think about a lot of these things today, it boggles my mind that I don't think there is anything in the history of time that has affected people as much as, you know, some of these tools and technology have. Like, for example, with take, speed, with speed as well. Yeah. Like take, for example, even ideas, right? Like take Islam or Chris or Christendom, right? There were, I don't know how many Muslims in history there have been or how many Christians, but this is probably a wild assumption, but you know, are there more people that are using Facebook, right? Like does, are there more people using Gmail than there have been, Muslims ever right the and no. or email right I don't know but there's a, a large amount right at the same time who are being affected right and my question is you know these things do affect the psyche they do affect oh yeah no human doubt. you know interaction with with people as well right and what's really interesting to me and you know this is probably a wild assumption but in the last 10 to 15 years you see a lot of issues in Akida pop up, right? And I'm wondering if there is a correlation between, you know, how 
the general public has changed in their perception and because of the use of technology and these attention grabbing apps like has their attention and concept of thinking changed i don't know it might be a wild assumption but well no i think they they totally have changed because uh my general observation of the world that we live in there are three major changes that will that will make the future completely unknown like you can't even come near to predicting it and what you're touching upon is the, the change and the alteration in the individual in that these technologies have rendered the individual to actually believe himself or herself to be far more important than they actually are. Right. Right. And so therefore, when a higher power, a higher authority, even if that authority is a, another human being, like a scholar, right, or a prophet, let's set aside prophet, God and prophet, the authority of a scholar. The modern world does not like any idea of an authority, right? Even though it's so funny, though, that we will delegate that authority and celebrate people in certain fields, right? Like Darwinists do with their right, experts, right? They elevate them and you don't know when they know, right? And they've seen the evidence, right? They Actually, that's a, like the one exception. But other than that, the individual, his, his change has been that he views himself as far more important than ever before. And therefore, in all fields, you're going to have opinions like you've never seen before with audacity, right? And contradicting authorities that have existed for centuries. And then, uh, but I think actually, it's, it, for, in Islam, it's no problem. We can go back. We don't follow any authority for his sake. We follow authority because of the evidence he's produced, right? right? So in that sense, I'm not even worried about that. But just if you're asking about Aqidah points, it's this first of three major changes is the nature of the human being himself. And that's that's one of the changes. And I wonder, right, just just you, you mentioned that. And I wonder, has the proliferation of, you know, these attention grabbing uh, tools and, and, and outlets, right? The fact that you want attention on Facebook, does that have a correlation to your spiritual dimension that you now crave attention oh that's a, in, a, it's a in disaster your, in your ego it's right? a disaster to be honest with you it's a disaster uh because your attention is like you're an arrow an arrow can only go in one direction or another right you can't go in two directions at once if your attention is devoted to oneself then it is not devoted to allah right if you're thinking about yourself then you're not thinking about anything else right you think about yourself so the whole point of prophetic tarbiyah is that you're shifting your attention from you to your maker and even when you think about you it's for the sake of your maker like what kind of servant can i be i want to be the best servant so that allah Azzawajal, i know that allah is watching and saying this is a good servant this is someone who's not worried about himself that first sign of a good servant is someone who's working hard right being presentable having good character for the sake of his master and that's what we should be doing. Remember, you said on your podcast that whole analogy of he's pointing American to, he's Muslims. Pointing to Elias. Yeah. Uh, 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 sorry, I forgot it. We're on. We're not on video. Audio. <laughs> video. So not yet. one thing that Elias said in his podcast was that point that if I'm a Muslim in America, is my job to make sure that I'm comfortable or to make sure that the word of Allah Azza wa Jal is being represented properly? That the message of the Prophet, peace be upon him. So we got to constantly think upwards. Yeah. 
and think back to the messenger peace be upon him. Would the prophet peace be upon him be happy with this or that action? That's what's important. And whether or not um, uh, I'm received well, it's like it should not be, it should not be, you know, my fault. If I'm not received well, it should be because they don't want the message. It shouldn't be because I misrepresented the message. You see what I'm right, saying? Right. And that's where, of course, I always blame myself if I've misrepresented the message or haven't presented it in the best way. And that's something that for all of us, it's just going to take years of getting better, right, at presenting the message. But that should be the only focus. And how people respond. As the other day, someone said, oh, so-and-so has a response for you. I said, okay, look, tell me if there's substance in the response. Don't tell me if he said anything about me. I don't care. Right. If I'm going to get lost in what he said about me, I'm not doing my job. My job is, does he have substance in the response that I need to respond to? And so that's where Facebook and all these things focus all about the personality. It, it, yeah. It makes like the Kardashians. They're famous for being famous. Right. Right. When, I don't know when, what they're famous for, honestly. Yeah. When I but came I out, the thing <laughs> is, right, we can't as, as much as these things is that this is what they're doing. In life, right? Like this is their design. To be famous, the point. Yeah. Well, no, I mean like these oh, these, these apps, apps and yeah. these designers. At the end of the day, you can't really blame them. That's you can't. That's that's, that's, that's the thing, right? Because you can't blame we, them. We're, you can't absolve yourself. I mean, the believers. Personal responsibility. Yeah, the they believers are the part, original yeah. like individual responsibility right. people. So, right. So this like, is. I think you're right. You have a point in terms of like these things are deliberately often designed and and made to be addictive in ways that you know people don't consciously realize they're not like going through their facebook feeds thinking oh well you know like they got me hooked on this whatever like the <laughs> right. system so like there is a i don't know if it's nefarious but there is like a component be, of it, getting it, people hooked on it what's more but i think at the end of the day you also have to be like well right like there are tendencies in humans right like like you mentioned earlier like the the that fame has jumped up right like to, to the top spot i think people like inherently they want to be famous it's just that now you have a lot of avenues to become, a lot more yeah. a, a lot more avenues so to become like, famous it so seems now like that a more attainable it, goal. it becomes more attainable so now that's my top priority before like you know 30 years ago the average person didn't have a shot at becoming famous right you're not going to be on tv you're not going to be doing anything special yeah, so you get and it so out of you're your just system. like okay well you know like that's not even realistic for me why yeah. should i focus on that get out of your system yeah. but even if it's nefarious and even if it's intentionally designed to right. not just to get clicks and to you know sell ads but even if it's de intentionally designed to cause you as much harm as possible i had just passed my phone to dr shadley what i was showing him was uh, or what i was uh passing along was what i was just looking at is uh surah ibrahim where iblis on the day of judging says yeah. I, I had no power over right. you mm -hmm. i just invited and you came yeah allah had made you a true promise and i made you a promise of falsehood and you took mine anyway so like and and who's more devious who's more intelligent who's more who knows the human psyche better than iblis right yep. right <clears throat> now, now the question is though right um it, I, I actually want I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt and say like it's not nefarious right like that wasn't the yeah, I mean that he, wasn't the initial intent of people right. to ruin pe right. ruin I don't people's think so minds yeah. well what right. I was saying is like worst case scenario Worst case scenario, we still can't blame nobody. Yeah. We can't blame anybody, but is the answer now? Be, you know, for a long time now, I've always been of the opinion that, okay, you know, just stay away from technology, put everything away, and that's going to solve the problem. But over time soon now, like I'm seeing, right, is the answer perhaps now, you know, building, you know, technology and, and products, you know, in a way 
as Muslims, you know, that actually help people, right? How do you, you know, you, like, you had, uh, before we got on, you had brought up the name of the topic, which was ethical design, right? Right. So my always question when I hear the word ethics, and, ethics and that's exactly what you said, what right. Elias said, he said, well, upon what epistemological upon basis, ethics, yeah. right? So that's the, that is basically the whole summary of the Safina Society podcast yeah. is like, what is good and bad? Well, who's to define good and bad, yeah. right? That's the whole, what the idea of secularism versus Islam is. Mm. So anytime ethics are brought up, yeah, well, here's the Mu'tazilites were a group of people who said that all good and bad is intrinsic. The Sunnis say, no, some good and As bad. you can derive it without God. Yeah, it's from within. So we say that some good and bad is intrinsic and some is not. Right. Like we do have fitra yeah. and we do have previous prophets and messages that came so long ago that their teaching are still trickling down. Right. And that prophet so I said, alluded to that when he said from the remnants of past messages is past wisdom is if you have no shame, do what you wish, because mm-hmm. if you have no shame, then what, what can stop you? So the point is that there have been the sources of good and bad are not as revelation, but before that is uh instinct human instinct like we all know that punch someone for no reason is bad there's no if ends or but about that we and then there are past messages and wisdoms that have stayed with us all right and then ultimately revelation fills in all the gaps okay and 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 even uh and even in, in in the circumstance some things that we would think are given they're really not right yeah. and they only know which way to go with it because of revelation that's true yeah. so like Killing someone, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's bad, right? Except for when it's absolutely necessary, yeah. right? Like as capital punishment, for instance, right? Or in a just war or in self-defense. And the list can actually be expanded and expanded. There are circumstances in which even the most uh, egregious thing, the, the, the biggest violation of another's right, mm-hmm. taking their life, might be not just okay, not just acceptable, but even necessary and a good. Yeah. And, and a benefit to the larger society. So... So my, what I think about when it comes to designers and producers is that that they're the worker bees at the bottom, even if they think and imagine themselves to be at the cutting edge, because ultimately, really what we have to look at is who's going to be giving them that big loan, right, to do their job. And there you have to look at the ethics of Wall Street and who, who what movements, what thought movements and trends are in Wall Street. I guarantee you it's not these. Right. No, it's it's a right. lot of Randian yeah. Yeah. people who yeah. don't who don't really even understand Ayn Rand. Absolutely, <laughs> and you know, and and I, I one day you know I'd actually like to have a topic just on this specifically, but I don't want to derail us. But yeah. this is something you know that how do we deal with such you know an issue? And but one thing that I I did want to lead into is these things do affect the mind, and I've seen the most crazy Akida issues in the last like five years that I have than more than I have. In you know uh, since you know uh, you know since, since since I've studied Islam right and I'm sure you guys have probably witnessed the same thing and I to me you know this was a, a good bridging point is you know has this stuff you know really been a correlation to why this stuff is happening right mm-hmm. and to get before we even talk about Akida you know and, and what that is that that's what I want to ask you Dr Shazi if you can explain once again you know what is Akida and its importance and why do we need it so Akida this. The great, a very simple summary of Aqidah is that it is the science that gathers and categorizes. Because what is a science? That which gathers and categorizes. And categorizes according to a method. There's got to be a method of 
categorizing and a method of deriving the fruits from the trees, right? So the sources, of course, are the Quran and the Sunnah. Now the Sunnah is divided into three categories, right? You divide the Sunnah in that which is mutawatir, so widespread there's no doubt that it's from the Prophet, peace be upon him. Then at the other extreme is the Ahad, the solitary chain that trickled down from the Prophet from one companion, right? And then you have that which is in the middle, mustafid, and that which came from many companions, maybe six, maybe seven, maybe 20, but not all the companions or such a large number that it's without doubt. So that's mustafid. Ultimately, what a Muslim must believe is that basically you, you'd be outside of Islam, you would not be in Islam, so we must teach these, is that which came from the Quran and from the mutawatir hadith. Absolutely no doubt about it. And just yeah. to clarify, Mutawatir is not a set number, but it's it's such a large number. Such a that vast number of transmissions, there would be no doubt about There's it. There's no agreed upon, like, it's 40, it's 70. Some it's said, it, no, they all said different numbers. Okay. Yeah. Now, from these, from the uh, as for the Mutawatir, they're all clear. They're, the, the, the language is always clear in something like that. As for the Quran, it must also be uh, clear, as the, the language, because language of Quran... Can, there can have illusions. So we're not talking about illusions. We're talking about something that can has possibly have only one meaning. Okay? Now, that's what makes someone a Muslim. And that's the first set of verses and hadiths that a person should study. Then there's that second category, which is the mustafid. That which has come down in authentic hadiths that is not mutawatir and not ahad. Not a single solitary one and not so many. So it's in the middle. That is also required for us to believe in. And that's what, that is what makes someone upon the sunnah of the Prophet, peace be upon him. That is the difference between the sunni and the bid'i, the rejection of these mustafid ahadith, right? Mm. These things that have come down, for example, from six sahaba, or 20 sahaba, or five sahaba, or 15 sahaba. So it's not mutawatir, but it's not one, two only. You have no excuse to reject these. Okay? And then you have the ahad, the ahad, if a Sunni does not chooses not to believe it, chooses not to pass it on, he may do so without claiming that the transmitters are liars. Mm. All right. And what's one of our proofs for this? In Tartib al-Madarik by Qadi Ayyad, he says that Malik ibn Anas had in his home died with, tre- with uh, chests of books, a, co- <clears throat> a couple chests. In these chests were notebooks, his, his own books that had in them a hadith that were a had that he chose from his own self that he not to transmit them right why because they would cause confusion and they have not been transmitted that many times to make it obligatory think about this what is the role of rasulullah protects us from the hellfire right that's number one number two get us to paradise that's his job yeah it's tough for let's say that's his job but that's the role i should say that's the function of a messenger so if something is going to lead to hell, wouldn't he say it many times? If something's going to lead to hellfire, he's going to say it many times. It's not going to happen once. There's not going to be a reason for someone to go to hell or to be punished or, you know, to miss an obligation. And he's going to say it once. So that's why it was judged that the ahad, a hadith, we don't say it's a lie. We don't deny them. But it's not obligatory either. Hmm. We don't obligate them. We, and in terms of law, if they're legal matters... We use them. They're part of the law. However, 
we can qualify them, restrict them, right? Uh, based upon uh, other understandings right. from Quran or higher sunnahs. So if you have, I'll give you a very famous example. The hadith that Prophet ﷺ cursed mm-hmm. the pluckers of eyebrows, eyebrow shaping, right? Well, Sayyid Aisha has a hadith, sound hadith, that a woman came to her and said, can I trim my, clean up my eyebrows? She said, yes, make yourself beautiful. You're going to get married, right? So she was just about married, right? She's just about to get married. She said, yeah, beautify yourself for your husband, right? So what do we do with that? Who's going to know better about women's issue, like eyebrow plucking, than Aisha? So we're not going to just discard her hadith, her, her fatwa. So we're going to bring the two together. So the Shafi'iyah said that uh, if she's not cheating her husband, making herself look more beautiful than she actually is in the, in the process of proposal, right. then it's okay. The Madaki have said it's completely okay at all times. Only after her husband dies, she has to observe ihdad, four months and ten days of non-beautification. Right? That's called ihdad. Four months and ten days of like mourning period, which is non-beautification, no partying, nothing like that. And so that's a very good example of a, a had hadith, right, being restricted and qualified. That's matters of the law, right? So that's a matter of the law. So there you go. That's what aqidah is. And if you want to know, has anyone gathered all all of the obligatory beliefs? And we say yes. That's been gathered in some early books. One of them is Fiqh al-Akbar by Abu Hanifa. He gathered all of that which is required for a Muslim to be a Muslim upon the Sunnah of the Prophet, peace be upon us. And then, generations later, Tahawi, Imam Tahawi. What is the Tahawi? Why is it a big deal? Because it's a gathering of all of that which is coming: Quran, Mutawatir Hadith, and the Mustafid. And he just gathered it all, right? So nothing in that book. Is Quran Mutawatir or Mustafid that he left out? That's the first thing. He never left anything out. And nothing is inside of it that's only based on one or one ahad hadith. It's all based upon very sound sources. And there is no sound base of, uh, basis of aqidah that he didn't include. And he came late enough to cover certain debates. Right. And there, just, just that there's a really good translation of a fiqh al akbar by. Uh, Abdurrahman ibn Yusuf, mm. White Thread Press puts it out. It's really, it's well done in terms, like it's a, as an Islamic book, it's actually very high quality. Mm. You know, you can't see through the pages. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's uh, and it's recommended by, uh, I've heard a number of scholars recommend it. I have a copy at home. It's really, really beautifully, beautiful and it's well done. So it's available. And of course, the Tahawiyah is available, but I don't know if there's a good commentary like that for it. Yeah. The commentary is hard to find, but I know you can get the text like Sheikh Hamza used. But if you go on, if you go on on SoundCloud, uh, Sheikh Hamza Mangbul is uh, has his whole uh, his, explanation his, of the Tahawiyah. His explanation yeah. of the Tahawiyah is really, really yeah. good. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in to, in today's world, you're actually going to take verses and hadith which you never imagined were evidence, but they're evidence, right? right. For example, the creation of Adam is not in Tahawiyah. I don't think it's in Tahawiyah, right? As a creator, but as a detailed, like, not a refutation, but he just says Allah is the creator of all things. But as the creator of Adam, the refutation of it is in Surah Al-Kahf. The refutation is in, I haven't shown them the creations of the heavens and the earth, nor the creation of their own selves. 
right? And I wasn't going, and I have no need to take those who lead others people astray as my as helpers. So what does that hadith? What does that ayah in Surah Al-Kaf mean? Ayah fifty-two in Surah Al-Kaf. It means that it's speculative. It means that your knowledge is speculative. All that you say about the beginning of the heavens and the earth, and the beginning of the human being, it is telling you epistemologically it's a speculative matter, right? You can gather all the evidence you want. You still have to admit that it goes into the category of speculative knowledge, right? So that ayah covers that. Something like that is not in Tahawi, right? Right. And so for listeners, you know, who haven't, you know, read or studied the Tahawiyah, you know, um, is is that the best place to start for Aqidah, right? It's 100% you know? the best place to start. And one of the things that I'm going to do, though, bi'ithnillah ta'ala, and uh, is that, and I've uh, discussed it with some other scholars, uh, or some scholars per se, I'm not even going to say, because this is very basic, Tahawiyah is like basic. So, is that the book is not organized. And I was afraid to even think that the book is not organized because it's such a like lauded book and the qabul of it in the ummah is one of those karamat. That's like a karama, right? Right, that it's the, accepted. That, right? th- that degree of acceptance goes to show you that this ikhlas of Imam Tahawi and the, and the quality of the work too. But I think myself, I'm, I'm looking at it and I was doing a systematic study of it and I'm thinking to myself, it's not, there's qadar is all over the place. Right. Right. So I think I think the 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 what you're trying to say is you know it's for contemporary audiences maybe the the approach to aqidah in the tahawi is not systematically in the best way to teach it to someone today. Yeah, so yeah, well, like so, subjects like what I the think that's what saying, you'll you find the subject, but it's not this section on this and then yeah. this section. Yeah. On right, that. right. Not so, to say that the tahawi is like disorganized. It's just no, like, it's, it's just for just contemporary that, audiences. Yeah. It's not you know. So what I want to do is something really simple: is take all the qadar. It's more lines a knock on, on contemporary audiences <laughs> than it is the text. You can tell that he's writing like with his heart, and like, <laughs> oh, this came up yeah. qadar again. It came up again qadar. So there's a wisdom to that. But what I'm going to do is hopefully and, and and have it ready for people is that just reorganize it. And anyone could do this, really. If you if you know the Tahawiyah, you sit there, you take the lines that to do with Qadar, and you put Qadar. In Sheikh Hamza Yusuf's um, translation, he has a little, on the side there, it'll say, Ilahiyat, that means this is about divine attributes. Or Nubuwat, this is about prophecy. Uh, qadar. Or Al-Jama'ah. So there's four, there are four basic chapters right, of Aqidah. There is Ilahiyat, everything to do with God. Nubuwat, everything to do with Prophet. Sem, uh, qadr, everything to do with predestination, qadr, and free will. Uh, sem'iyat, everything that has come from Allah and His Messenger, right, in the Quran or Hadith, okay, that we have to believe in, such as oh, everything about the afterlife, everything about the end of time, angels, etc. And then the fifth category is the jama'ah. What is a Muslim? What makes a Muslim? What's our interaction with Muslims? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Muslim governance, right? Right. Uh, what what's our interaction with them, and so uh, sorry five, did I say four chapters five chapters ilahiyat nubuwat sam'iyat sam'iyat means transmitted things, and then qadar I should say qadar qadar first then sam'iyat then al jama'ah five chapters, hmm. right, that study should be done by sixth grade. We're we're like adults no, studying. That's hundred percent true. Absolutely. Subhanallah, Islamic schools. Yeah. It just drives me. I want to. Mm-hmm. It just drives me nuts. I looking never at learned that you know Tahawiyah in Islamic school. Yeah. It wasn't until I was an adult that I actually learned it. I learned yeah. it like 
<laughs> I, I have to say exactly, that this, yeah. in the Islamic yeah. schools, a couple years ago, a couple years ago, right? in Islamic <laughs> schools, they do a very good job in the very early beginning, like literally first grade, second grade, third grade, tell you who's God, who's the prophet, right. etc. Teach you some dua. And I mean, I always say like the dua, they teach dua really well. When we used to eat, we <laughs> say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, right? Yeah. You send your kid to Islamic school thinking like you're doing a good thing. They come back. You want to eat. The, everyone's at the table, right? And then... Oh, the kids say, oh, we got to say the du'a. Okay, let's say the du'a. Allahumma barik. And it goes on, <laughs> right? I, you know, someone at the table got up and sneaking behind the counter and eating, right? <laughs> like the du'a was like, two, we grew up, what do, what do you say before you eat? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, right? Bismillah. Bismillah. By the way, even the ba'a is bismillah. Bismillah. So we got three du'as before eating. Right, I have a skit that I want to share. Uh, I want to make like a skit, like a Saturday Night Live skit, <laughs> where the Islamic school yeah. dinner table, and in the beginning of the du'a, the food is nice and fresh and steaming. Yeah. Right, <laughs> the middle of the du'a, the dad's got gray hair. Right? <laughs> the, by the end of the du'a, it's skeletons at the table. Right? <laughs> right? So I say, I tell the people, have sabr, right, because it's blessing the food. Right? We're literally doing a thicker gathering before the dinner. It's like 62, 3, 4 minutes du'a, right? <laughs> it feels like that anyway when you're hungry, right? <laughs> but in any event, in any event, tahawiyah should be done by sixth grade, right? If you think about it. And uh, Sheikh Hamza Makbul's project and all, all of the, 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 the imams and teachers should really be thinking about, really, the, you can get this stuff in seven, by seventh, eighth grade. This stuff is like, should yeah. be known. Mm-hmm. And people, when they say, oh, well, we're going to sit there and emulate the Tahawiyah, what is the Fine. Let's get the evidences. Yeah. It's not that hard. You can get any book that has the evidences right there. By the way, I, I, just, feel like... I just want to say that really quick, that thing that you said about organizing it, I, it's a brilliant idea. And I knew exactly what you were talking about when you brought it up because a couple of weeks ago, I was looking for something on um, obeying the leaders. Yeah. It's in there. But it was in more than one part. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I found it. But that's not what I remember. And then I had to look further down. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it is. It's it jumps there. like that. Yeah. So. Like that. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Seth. What was I gonna say? Sorry, um, I, I, I'm just I gonna remember. sit here. <laughs> I, I apologize. It's all good. Um, I lost my train of thought <laughs> as well. Uh, no, we were saying. I think that you were. Oh, okay. I remember now. Um, he was asking were, me what his definition. Yeah, about but just to to tag on to your point about uh, having to learn those things a lot earlier than I guess people generally do now. Yeah. Um, I think that's even more important because. You're confronted with, I mean, that's that's the foundation of belief, right? It's the foundation. And so you're confronted with a lot of things that challenge the foundation of belief much earlier totally. in, in school, in your schooling, in college, right? Like that comes to you much faster now mm-hmm. than than you would expect. And yeah. so if that's already the the starting point, then yeah. you, you're having to climb an uphill battle to kind of you're totally right. yeah, and, undo and, some of that. And just to follow up on that, one thing I'm going to say is before I, you know, formally learn Akidah, what I thought in my mind and, you know, uh, is that, you know, I already know my beliefs. You know, why do I need to take a class on yeah. it? Why do I need to learn my beliefs? Isn't it obvious? Allah is one, you know, the, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a messenger, there's a so on, yeah. right? You know, what, what else is there? There's heaven and earth. There's angels. Okay. I, I, yeah. like, that's belief. I understand. Yeah. It wasn't until I took Akidah, I was like, 
I didn't know anything about Islam. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I actually, that's what I yeah. thought. I thought, honestly, that uh, I, I never understood what does it mean yeah. to study Tawheed. Mm-hmm. Right, God is one. How, how much are you going to study about that? He's yeah. one. That's it. That's what you thought. That's what I would think. Some uh, groups would make like a whole yeah. book about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call it the book thereof. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but don't, don't study that one. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that has to be examined very early on, what you were saying, there's relations between Muslims and non-Muslims, beliefs about Muslims and non-Muslims, right. beliefs about Islam and other uh, philosophies, paths, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and the correct way of articulating certain things. Mm-hmm. Right, The correct way of articulating certain matters is very important. I'm glad you right. raised that. Yeah. Because, listen, everybody gets it wrong except for the ones that get it right. <laughs> right? There's only one right answer. This is, yeah. this is religion. It's not... This is not an opinion situation. Yeah. This is religion. It's not who 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 should have won the Oscar, yeah. right? So like, the, there's people going around saying, "Oh, all these great pe- these people are nice and they do charity or whatever." It doesn't matter that they're Satanists, yeah. right? They can go to they they should be all should for, should reward them yeah. or they were hardcore atheists but they did good good uh, they wrote good books or something, right? Like, they, or but on the flip side, what somebody what my wife learned in Islamic school. Which is also wrong is everybody who's not Muslim is going to hell yeah. forever. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, there's actually a like right you answer. Know. You're all yeah. wrong. Every one of none of you got it right. That's the whole difference between. And ex- that was in Islamic studies. That's wrong. That's the whole difference the, the, between exclusivism and salvation. Two separate, completely different questions, which all the literalist groups, many of them, get it wrong, right? And Khawarij, uh, for example, being one of them, and that whole que- that whole issue of. Uh, the idea that oh someone does so much good one of the first things that tawhid teaches is that there is nothing more important than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nothing more important than iman in him so much so that the prophet said la ilaha illallah muhammad rasulullah that's the key to jannah right when whenever the prophet says la ilaha illallah it means everything else right everything that's required to it and every time that the prophet or the quran says belief in allah and the last day it, it's like saying the Lord of the East and the West. Is he also not the Lord of everything in between? So Allah and last day includes in it angels, books, messengers and right. last day. So that's just short, shorthand speak that you'll see in doctrinal hadith and ayahs. And simply lesson one, nothing is more important in the sight of Allah than Iman. You could do all the good in the world for humans if you mess up with Allah then all that good will, will get you nothing in the yeah. afterlife. And not to belabor this one point, because you've written some stuff on salvific exclusivity, yeah. and others have as well, and it's available. It came out a couple of years ago when that whole perennialist uh, American Quran or whatever it was yeah. called. Um, so, Quran. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's covered. So I don't... Yeah, yeah. Should, yeah. and... and um, it's amazing how people come, and you, you know your own history. It was funny that someone asked me, on Facebook the other day, he said, "Can you uh, tell me what is your opinion on the study of Quran?" I was like, "Man, you're like three seasons too late, man. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta watch. The, <laughs> go get the back issues. <laughs> go to the stacks. It's on microfiche. Library. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> in the archives yeah, now. Yep. It's so late. Right? That's why if anyone's on Facebook or following even this podcast, and you notice that we say some of the same things again, yeah. I, I never hesitate to repeat." Because it's always a new listener. And secondly, I believe that our generation is the generation just f- fighting to establish just the boundaries of yes. what is Islam and what is Ahl-Sunnah. 
right? And that's why that's what we got to do. And and before I mean, this is uh, just a personal thing. I actually think most people before they even learn akida, they need to learn mantik first, right? Mm. Which is logic, yes, or just basic principles mm-hmm. of you know frameworks of logic right and that can be honestly as simple as going to you know an online course and learning logic right uh, it's shocking to me Mm -hmm. like crazy shocking to me that when people first learn akida they ask the almost most backwards nonsensical give me an example um how can uh God be all powerful yeah. when there is evil existing. I mean, those are like semantic tricks. Actually, there is someone who on Facebook, a brother uh, on Twitter, a brother sent me a message, and it's amazing. Sometimes these apps are useful. This brother sent me a message, said, uh, "Can you read this and check it?" And I checked. It was really a great point. This argument of evil is there evil? How much evil actually is there in the universe? In the cat kingdom, in the dog kingdom. In the tree king, animal kingdom, plant kingdom, there's not a lot of evil. In all the seven heavens, there's no evil. There's only evil, whereas with one creature, the human being, if you think about it. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's earthquakes, right? That's just the earth moving. There's jaguars eating zebras. That's instinct and also population control, right? But that's not, I don't consider that evil. Evil is like, is there a jaguar raping another jaguar? <laughs> actually, um, actually, well, isn't all not all, but it? but like feline, yeah, it's it's actually it's not consensual ever. Yeah, but like the female. It, wait goes, a second, did she object? Yeah, how do you they know? Do. They how? Do. Well, I've owned cats, but <laughs> also if you read up on it, what what happens is the the female is in heat, but it's just a biological function that yeah. attracts the male through pheromones and whatever. But they grab them by the scruff yeah. and hold them down, and it's yeah. very fast. You know. I, to be honest with you, if you're a pure like evolutionist, then there actually is no evil, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're coming right from that right? angle, yeah. then everything is a result of a natural process, and and so even the quote unquote evil that humans do is just a byproduct of evolution. If you're coming at it from that angle, right? Yeah. Like really, you can't really well, say. So I have a draft paper <clears throat> that eventually I'll get to. Yeah, I swear. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, but. Yeah, so part of the argument is that you really have to look at the difference between tragedy and actual evil. Yeah. And how do you define uh, a, a, how do you define good and bad? Right. And as it comes back to, to the same thing. Yeah. So like the zebra getting eaten by the by the lion, it's tragic it's for the tragic, zebra. Yeah. But it's, it's not it's, evil. But it, and not only that, it's wonderful for the cubs. Yeah. The lion cubs because uh-huh. now they can oh, eat. That's true. That's so true. Uh, the only time that that actually I'm sorry to cut you off. If yeah. you watch these nature shows, Listen to the music in the background. The hunt music is very different from the Cubs eating music. Yeah, that right? th- that one is nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah. the thing the thing about that is that um, you only get this idea of evil when you get the when you get true free will. So that's the only time that you can do something that something can be good or bad, and so that means that the evil is not the product. It's not it's not what Allah creates in the world, which could be tragic. The results of something could be tragic. Your the results of your actions could be tragic. But they're not good and evil in that sense, right? It's that you had a bad intention yeah. when you committed the act. So the of entire course, universe. You said something about Motazilites earlier. They would argue that this is not true. That yeah, I'm gonna yeah. come to that in just a second. All right, sorry. So um, that was just a side point about what you said about uh, that logic example of bad logic. But exactly, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, and there's, there's lots of these yeah. these things, right? Um, uh, 
when it when it just comes to logic, period, yeah. right? Like fairness, equity, justice. People don't understand, you know, what things are impossible, what things I, are possible. Would you say that that's Honestly, synonymous? the biggest thing, sorry, that that you know, I, I sometimes you see is that a lot of people think that um, just belief in God is irrational. <laughs> that's like that's like the biggest thing I've seen. That in order that reason, you have to suspend reason and rationality in order to believe in God, and that's like such a fundamental. Mm like mistake when it comes to you know fundamental belief that it's like what (laughs) i'm gonna bookmark that for later in this discussion but yeah Yeah. you're right because uh wouldn't you say that there's also epistemology absolutely right Mm. and and and, but uh i'm I'm gonna open your bookmark now so what were you saying about that all right well (sighs) so you're right there is people who make this claim and um there's two there's two quick points one is that they might not be talking about God. They might be talking about some some misconception that people have about who Allah is, right? They might be talking about somebody with an elephant head that was put on after... Somebody killed his own son and then was afraid his wife would get mad, so then he took an elephant and put the elephant's head on it. Like, that's not God, right? We're not talking... That is irrational. It's silly. Um, and it's not, even, it's not even what the intelligent people in that religion or the higher-ups in the religion believe. That said, there's also Muslims who go, yeah, a lot of stuff seems irrational, so let's make our religion seem more rational. And these people pop up every, every, every few generations or every generation. You get people like this that keep popping up, right? They popped up in the time, in the early period, right? And there were the Mu'tazilites. They popped up 100 years ago at Azhar. And mm-hmm. it, it was, you know, the trinity of uh, neo-Mu'tazilite rationalist uh, liberal Rashid Rida. and Jamal al-Afghani. Jamal al-Afghani yeah. so, and they were making like these, they were just trying to find ways to make their religion seem more palatable. But by whose standards? By yeah. Western definitions, right? Yeah. And you have people today who are like, we, don't, we can't have an illogical religion. What will people think of us? Yeah. Nobody will want to be Muslim. That you can't just adjust yeah. And, and, and like that's that. the problem I have with a lot of people. When people say it's like we can't have an illogical religion it's that it's not the, the problem isn't the that the religion is that is, is, is illogical yeah, the problem <laughs> isn't that it's illogical the problem is you've understood logic incorrectly yeah. that's the point that sherman jackson makes a lot he says that yeah. when people use the word logic they're often using it mean including their own uh pre, pre uh yeah. notions practical and they're, right? and they're also saying does it conform to the scientific method yeah, yeah. which it it does. It need not. It's yeah. religion. It's not it's trans- a math equation. It's transmission, not observation. Math. You know. <laughs> what, here, here's Don't something. bring math into yeah, the that's equation. Not, that because that math, doesn't, math, math is very doesn't, logical. Here's one of those. Uh, one of like, those completely not based on experimentation, but that's a different. Yeah, I was going to say math doesn't actually <laughs> com- conform to the scientific. Yeah. Well, method. You, you both bring up one of those very basic things that you find the theology books take for granted that you know. And it's every listener should basically know this like the back of their hands that all of knowledge that we know only comes from three possible sources. Uh, observation, yeah. logic, and transmission. Right. Math comes from logic. Yep. Purely logic. There's no observation, nothing. Nope. Right. Uh, science is observation. Mm-hmm. And history and religion is transmission. Right. Likewise, news and journalism yeah. is transmission. Right. And hadith is the greatest form of transmission because there's heaven and hell at the other side. Mm-hmm. You make a mistake in transmission in New York Times, you lose a job, right? You make well. a mistake. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, news also might fall into that subcategory of creative writing, but whatever. <laughs> get into that. Fiction? Uh, you get into <laughs> Bad fiction. Uh, courts, witnesses, this testimony, it's transmission. Yeah, it's transmission. Right? You, you, so what is all of our sem'iyat, even most of our ilahiyat, 
right? And Aqidah basically is transmission, yeah. right? So that's why Aqidah is basically mainly uh, yeah. transmitted science. There's only one part of Aqidah which you could say is observation. And that is where the origin of the universe. Either infinitely, infinite regress, right. or it created itself, which required existing and non-existing at the same time. Remember a long time ago you asked me, well, why is that impossible for why the Earth universe impossible? to... Moin why asked me, do, is impo- why is yeah, Dor because impossible? at a certain moment in time, yeah. you would have to exist and non-exist at the same time. So a do- door is infinite, not infinite regress. It's the cyclical. The world created itself. Yeah, the cyclical reincarnation of, of the, the world. world. Can can the world have just yeah. existed? What kind of Hindu stuff are you talking about? <laughs> well, the, the, so there is a rational impossibility for infinite regress, which is the world just existed. Um, you, you know that that that, you know that was a theory, right? Like scientific. Yes, that was the. But but logically, that's impossible. Now, my question to Dr. Shadi was, how do you disprove Dor, which is reincarnation, that the world just existed forever? Okay, because it be, would have never end, arrived ends and at re-exists. this point. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it it didn't exist forever in a linear fashion. Yeah. But it just it's, it's just been in reincarnation yeah, cycles because, ad infinitum from the beginning. But but how is that? Because there still had to be a beginning. I have co- I have a question though, if. If if we look at history as a, a series of events, right, like a sequence of events that like this happened, then that happened, then that happened. If there was an infinite history of events, then how do you logically arrive at the present, right? Like, wouldn't it be impossible? Because it's like, let's say like you have an, you, you have, hypothetically, you have an infinite number of carrots in the next room and you're going to count those carrots. Yeah. You would never get to the end of that sequence, right? So to be able to tell yeah, us that there's to, an exactly. Yeah. So analogizing it to time, yeah. like you would have never arrived at this point exactly. if there was an infinite history yeah. behind the universe. So, you so, could never even it is it's impossible to prove. Right. Because like in your analogy, if there's an infinite number of carrots and you send a guy in to go check that, yep. you never he's know. Gone. He's, yeah, he's gone, gone. <laughs> right? Exactly. And you never know if the carrots number is that much right. or it's infinite infinite, yeah. right? So it's yeah. the same idea. Now the, the the foil to that, right, is what a lot of these neo atheists will say is, you know, you know, theists claim that God has existed without a beginning, right? Ad infinitum. So we're just saying that the world existed without a beginning, ad infinitum. Because they can't have no God. Their God is the universe. Correct. So this is the popular parlance nowadays. Yeah. The yeah. universe provides. Yeah. Sure don't say, oh, just ask the universe uh-huh. or no, hey, but, don't put that into the universe. But the problem with that is that that violates all of the laws of their laws of the universe. Yeah. Right, well, which don't apply. Exactly. I mean, to God, right. So, yeah. like, <laughs> because because they we like, have all these obs- things are on con- conservation one, of, one, of one, matter one, and one energy. Exactly. One yeah. at a time here. Um, <laughs> so all these all these things around conservation of energy and matter, right? Isn't that violated by that principle? Exactly. That's exactly the point. And Doc Shetty, yeah. you were saying, you know, exactly what he was saying. Exactly. Yeah. That, so, that well, ma- we have observed matter. Right. Matter is observable. We right. know it changes. It never. Uh, it has to change. That which changed must have had a beginning. Well, you know, the science kufar, they actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they confess yeah. that there is no answer to this and that they yeah. probably will never figure it out. Yeah. They're like, we, we don't know about the beginning. They we just, just say can't that your answer, out. our answer is not right. They're like, we don't have the answer, but you guys are definitely wrong. Even though it's the only plausible answer. <laughs> yeah. They just, they, they don't, they can't deal with it. Right. Because yeah. it, 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 it's, a, it's a matter way. of cognitive dissonance with a lot of them. Right. Like they're like, well, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Yet. Right, like it just can't be. So it has to be. It has to be something different than the Christianity that I was raised in, or the Judaism that I was raised in. Yeah. So whatever. Now I have a 
question before we move on to the next topic of uh, the schools of Akita and Mutazira uh, is uh, because this has happened just recently, right? I have a question, you know, is there a difference in, you know, the legalistic uh, definition of kufr and the Akida definition of kufr? Oh, so that's a great point. So uh, because like let's say great somebody question. let's say somebody passed away, yeah. right? Uh, hypothetically, not about recent events, but let's <laughs> say somebody passed away, right? Now, let's say somebody was with us right now, let's say he was a Hindu, right? Uh, drop dead right in the room. Right in front of us. Right. Now the legal definition says that we don't pray the janazah is, you know, a Hindu. Correct. Now do we say that oh, but you don't know what happened? You know, in his heart, he may have become a Muslim at the last moment. Can we call him a kafir? Is my question. Okay, so the legal standpoint, uh, it can, what it does for us is it gives us d- some basic do's and Practice, don'ts. Yeah. Inheritance, janaza, do we mar- certain marriage laws, all these laws, even residence laws, right? Uh, and, and in the hypothetical uh, khilaf or any Islamic uh, state type of thing, uh, your residence has to do with and mm-hmm. your citizenship right? your, could have to do with this your right? tax rate tax rate <laughs> your tax bracket yeah okay so uh, that is that you are by default if you're if you're born Muslim then you're by default Muslim right, right? if you're born Muslim you don't need to take born to Muslim parents born to Muslim parents or if just to a Muslim father yeah right? right then you don't have to show your shahada you don't have to give shahada right just my father's a Muslim that's enough I don't need to give my shahada He's going to say La ilaha illallah someday. Right? I was going to say it still has to be verbalized at one point in your he, life. Yeah, he's yeah. going to verbalize it in rituals, but he doesn't have to verbalize it in a testimony. Hmm. La ilaha illallah. He doesn't have to say that. So even the adopted child does not have to do that. You adopt a, a Christian child, right, from a Christian country or Hindu country or something, and he's like six, seven, eight years old, old enough to have been in temples and bowed to idols or done whatever. He does not have to retake shahada. He just joins, uh, makes wudu, right? And prays, right? So that's the one thing. As for adults, they are not Muslim unless they've given shahada. Muslim, legally speaking. Right. For us to pray upon them, etc. Upon the janaz, etc. Make dua for them, etc. He must say, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah in front of two people. Period. Witnesses. That's it. Okay, so that's the answer of the legal element. As for the... Uh, not of uh, the salvation element. That's a salvation question. What we do say about that is that someone who dies about uh, upon a such a death died a kafir, and they have a phrase which many people don't realize the nuance in this phrase of hum min hum ashabun nar, right? They are the people. The the ashabun nar is like the owner, or he has the right to, or has earned with his action the right to the fire. This does not mean that you're saying that Allah will throw him in the fire and torture him. But based upon this outward action, that outward action leads to and earns ex- this, right? Ashabul Jannah, Ashabul Jannah, Ashabul Nar. So Allah says Ashabul Nar. That means they are, they, Earners, right? they earned that, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that Allah Azza wa Jal, he cannot, he can do what he wants. And part of our aqidah is that he may, he can forgive who he wants, right? However, we that doesn't affect our action at all. That's theoretical, absolutely theoretical. And they have said, can a Muslim hope on the inside of his heart, right, for some, that some situation is different? Yes, you can hope all you want. You don't make a du'a with your tongue because the Surah Tawbah prohibits that, right? 
That's can, can you, can, what, what, what do you mean? Like Surah Tawbah Surah Tawbah prohibits Dua for what? Like Dua for someone who died outside the legal status of Islam. Right? Right. Surah Tawbah prohibits that. Now, the Imam al-Nawi states that because the ayah ends حَتَّى يَتَبَيَنَ أَنَّهُمْ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّارِ that they are until until it becomes clear or when it becomes clear when it becomes clear to them that they're people of the fire which means when it became clear that he died without publicly testifying to so his action and the religion or the belief upon which he died outwardly has earned him that what Allah does with him in the afterlife why would you worry if he's the most merciful right why would you worry about that so leave that for Allah but Outwardly for us, he did not die upon Islam, and he, that's what he earned for himself in the Akhirah, right? Even if you don't know what's in his heart, well, isn't the Shahada the first pillar of Islam? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So even if he had Iman in his heart, but he refused to say the Shahada, that's the first deed that a Muslim should do. There's a punishment for that, right? Right. Likewise, as, as if someone who died openly as a Muslim and never prayed once in his life on purpose. So, yeah, he's a Muslim. But what has he earned? Mm-hmm. He's earned some trouble. There's no doubt about that. If you don't say he earned trouble, then why am I bothering myself? Right? So this is why, like, why are we praying if we're not going to admit that someone who never prays has not earned himself trouble? So he's earned himself trouble. So uh, a person inside of himself, he can, yes, hope for the best for everyone. However, he would not, uh, he would not express that with his tongue because part of being a, a Muslim is that your dua, your supplication, is for people who had wanted that supplication and believed in the giver of that supplication in this life. So one of the reasons is logical. If someone is a kafir, he never believed in the first place. So what is the value of your dua for him afterwards, right? He himself didn't want that, right? He himself didn't want to believe in in heaven and hell. Right. So why would you? Right. So on what basis are you going to make a dua for him in that respect? Right. When my father passed away. And it's uh, also for emotional connection. Yeah. Because who you pray for, who you, whose grave you visit, builds a very deep emotional connection. Right. And, the, and Allah has deemed that dua has to be constricted to the believers. And one thing, and I definitely want to hear your story, Alex, but uh, one thing is this is not like some fringe extreme belief this is core mainstream as ahl sunnah you yeah. know belief it's in the tahawi like this is not it's, something out of the ordinary yeah it's saying, imam right? and no he has has tafsir on any look on any book of tafsir in surah tawbah it's like verse 113 or something uh it's this is known it's mainstream not the fringe interpretation is that the end of the verse that until it becomes clear that they're people of a fire means that it's specific for the people that Allah and His Messenger have announced are people of the fire, which are like five people, right? Abu Lahab, for example, Fir'aun, right? Abu Jahl, Prophet said, right? So, but that's the fringe tafsir that is rejected. The dominant, the majority opinion is what Imam al Nawi was upon. Hmm. And yes, you were saying sorry. All I was going to say is that when my, when my father passed away, um, I, people were sending me uh, emails or whatever saying, you know, mail up. Forgive him, have mercy. And my father died, and he wasn't Muslim. He died not upon Islam. I sent like a big group email out to everybody who had been contacting me and said, "Don't make dua, because he just he didn't he wasn't Muslim, so you just can't do it. So don't do that yeah. for your own sakes. It doesn't affect me or his fate in any way whatsoever. 
But I was letting them know for their own sake. Just don't make that. It's not yeah. permissible. They think. And it's my father who had just passed away. So if anybody thinks that we're not being, oh, we're so mean. I'm talking about my father, yeah. who yeah. I, I love so dearly. Yeah. Right. But, and, and I wasn't, I, it was simply like, this is just, it is what it is. So and you no kafir, no one who dies outside of Islam is going to be offended by it. Right? Should they? Why, yeah. would, why would he be offended? They don't he, he told you in the beginning. He doesn't believe in your source, so yeah. your God. Well, why, your don't prophet. go to church for me and light a candle or, <laughs> yeah. or right. make an offering to an idol. Don't. Yeah. I wouldn't want that. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, this is. Now, just if, a, if you died in India, right, and these Hindus came in, and some Hindu kid said, no, no, he wasn't Hindu. Don't light candles for him, and don't send the elephant lady all these flowers, right? You know, they're God. One of those gods. <laughs> it's a dude, but whatever. It's a dude, yeah. okay. Whatever it is with the, with the, ten, the ten arms. And said, don't put food at her feet because he wasn't a Hindu. You think uh, Elias is going to be in his grave wondering, oh, too bad. No. <laughs> he, right. didn't, he didn't believe it in the first. So, right. so people who die outside of Islam, he's not offended. He didn't yeah. believe it in the first place. So why are you imagining yeah. he's going to be offended? It and just doesn't so, make any sense. And, the, and the, point. The, the point that I was making is not that just it's there's no point in it. Yeah. Just don't don't just don't delve into it. And this just touches on the question that I that I had that was following up from Ronnie's question is, I I think, but I'm not sure. My my sense is that the the crazy stuff in Aki that you said that we're seeing a lot of in the last few years, I think it's because more people are opining. Sans education on the subject. <laughs> well, that's you know. That's, no, like like that's like like tw- ten years ago, fifteen years ago for sure. Twenty years, twenty-five years ago when I became Muslim, nobody spoke about aqidah without having studied it. Yeah. Like if you were in the masjid, it's the place you ran into Muslims. You didn't run into them on yeah. websites. Yeah. <laughs> well, people aren't speaking about aqidah. Like they don't even they know what that are. is. Yeah, exactly. let, let well, they are. They are though. But they're they not. They don't even know this, that they are. But they're not saying this is about aqidah, right? right they're just they saying stuff. But Wait, they're so talking about aqidah. You raised it. Like the question you originally asked that prompted this discussion like well like i'm curious like why did that come up can i just say the guys what are you working overtime this week (laughs) stephen hawking died like yesterday by the way 76 years old with a with a disease i don't even know it's unlikely that i'll make it that long and i'm healthy without a disease yeah (laughs) this guy man the the sugar that he missed out on here's the thing (laughs) the the people are th- are saying that that pe- some people were the reason was that some like people missed yeah some. you missed something you must have been working overtime or you must have been doing something useful right <laughs> the fact Hawking that you were an off yeah I know I know he died so but, people but were making du'a we people were ma- basically oh, okay. saying rest All in right. peace and stuff and, and other people were saying well hold on gotcha. a second that's a du'a that I didn't know so basically okay. the point is that's why you asked that question yeah <laughs> All right. that the point is that uh, some people were saying that we're gonna make du'a for him because. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. He even though he didn't rejected yeah. God an afterlife, but there is God an afterlife, and he doesn't know it. So we're gonna make to offer. So my response would be like, that means you're saying that you would know better for him, then, right? Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, yeah. He didn't know, right? Or he didn't believe, or whatever, or whatever reason. But we make to offer because of how much good he did for humanity. So my response was, if you think that you know better for him, then. Allah knows better for you, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So then Allah said, refrain from that dua. Right. right? So isn't that the logic? Yeah. Because that's got to be the logic, right? So. so how does that work like when it comes to general dua, right? Like for, you know how people make dua, they're like all oh, people suffering all over the world. How does they're, that? Those are living. Right. Those are, those are non-believers who are alive. Yeah. And for that, you, your dua for them in any capacity 
should be for their benefit that would guide them oh, right, to Tawheed. Yeah. What is the value of... Uh, this is why I said in After Aqidah. Dies, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like in Aqidah, the first thing to teach is the nothing is more important than Allah and belief in Him. For a human being, no action is greater than belief in Allah Azza wa Jal. We have to actually, I think we've taken it for granted too long. No action is greater than belief in Allah Azza wa Jal uh, in, properly, right? So if you're going to, if someone has uh, dying of cancer, what would be good for you? Pray for his his life or pray that, you know, he doesn't break a nail, right? Pray for his life, right? Pray for his life. So therefore, what is the value of any dua for a non-believer if you don't include the most important thing? Which is iman, right? Iman, right? So that may Allah uh, bless him. Yes, bless him. Meaning iman, not wealth. What's the value for someone who has wealth and goes to the fire, right? Or have wealth that, or the wealth of iman first than so, anything else. So our sheikh taught us that the first, uh, soon when when you complete your wird, you complete it with a dot, and that the first dot you make is for your parents, mm -hmm. right? Um, if they're Muslim, no matter what, and if they're not Muslim, if they're living, right? And the du'a that I make for my mother every time, whenever after every word, it's the first du'a I make is Allah bless her with health, with a long life, full of goodness and protection from harm and guidance, so that she doesn't die except with La ilaha illallah. I know this that, is the du'a uh, I make for my own mother. I mean, if you care about other people, make it about them too. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't think it's disrespectful to say that about my mom. I, inshallah, she's guided. May Allah yeah. give her hidayah. I mean, so I mean. That, um, I just wanted to bring that you know, I want to bring something else up too is because um, another point that was brought up was in uh, an article recently uh, in which Farida Zak was quoted as saying the South African uh, professor person, person. <laughs> <laughs> he was quoted as saying that the scholars of the past who said that Islam is God's path on this earth right the Prophet Muhammad is the last messenger that actually represents what God wants, and therefore that path is what God wants. Is that the scholars of the past were all rigid, and I can't remember the phraseology, the wording, we can get it from the article, but the point was rigid and uh, sort of almost, he was almost like chauvinistic, like towards Islam, like rigid and closed minded about other faiths, right? I'm thinking to myself, is, is this century and Western Muslims the only people? To experience converts and other religions all through history muslims have been living side by side with, with all kinds of religions all kinds of religions right we've contacted more religions than any other religion yeah. i think afghanistan was filled with like afghanistan which you think is like a hard hardcores right no they had buddhists they had hindus they had whatever previous religions they had right Fire worshipers. Yeah. syria right Iraq, Iraq, you had Christians, Jews, y Yazidis, right? I mean, I mean <laughs> Medina, <laughs> right? Medina yeah. itself at the time Medina of the Prophet Sallallahu right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. single Sahabi had a non-Muslim relative or was a non-Muslim before. Right. Or was, yeah. the, was, a, was, a, was a, a pagan before. Or like Sayyidah Isha, for example, she probably had some cousins that were not Muslim, yeah. right? And she herself was born Muslim. Her, her grandfather for most of her life. Yeah. Her, father, her, her grandfather. Yeah. Abu, yes. The father of Abu Bakr didn't accept Islam until way late. Way late. After, during his, his yeah. khidash. And Sayyidah Asma was was like having him, because he went blind, so she, she he was living in the house, right? And, or he would come over often, regularly. And he would say to her, what is Abu Bakr doing? Secretly. And, and she would say, he's with Muhammad, right? <laughs> doing the a, you know what? It's amazing that you brought this up, yeah. that you brought up Sayyidah Aisha. 
radiallahu anha. This is a beautiful story about Abu Bakr's father when he accepted Islam. Yeah. Right? If there were the people that don't know this, when his father his father became Muslim very late in life, he was very he's older. And um, it was after the Prophet ﷺ had returned to, to Allah. And um, when, when he declared his Islam, the people saw Abu Bakr and he was like downtrodden. And they were like, what is Ya Abu Bakr? What's your father? He saved. Like, this is a joyous occasion. Shouldn't you be overjoyed? And he said, I was initially. He said, and then it occurred to me that the Prophet ﷺ wasn't able to experience this with oh, his uncle who he loved. Allah. And so now I'm heartbroken. I'm happy that my father, but I'm heartbroken that the Prophet and he said to him, couldn't experience that joy with his with his uncle. Right. Right. So for anybody that thinks that this is like some we're being mean yeah. or this is like the closest of companions to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam felt sad that Abu Talib didn't openly declare his Islam before he died, and and that that brought distress to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So, is anybody more beneficial to the Muslims than Abu Talib outside of the known Muslims? Yeah. Nobody. Did anybody give more? Did anybody support more? Was anybody close? He's the, he was the, the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who raised him. If anybody outside of people who openly declare their Islam, and I use that phrase specifically, right? If anybody outside the people who openly declare their Islam was close enough to have Allah's pardon, forgiveness, what have you? It would have been Abu Talib, and then the Prophet yeah. was yet the Prophet and they said Islam was still saddened and heartbroken that he didn't declare his Islam open. So what else is there? Like, what are you people talking yeah. about? Right, Stephen that is, Hawking. That's the punch you in yeah. your face. I swear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Subhanallah. Oh, he did good science. Yeah. So <laughs> slam you on the ground. So now, 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 now that we've gotten emotional, let's move on. Sorry, it makes me smile. No, Abu Talib is the best example. Yeah, that's why yeah. that example is there. And how yep. about Prophet Nuh That's yep. why that example is there. Right. The Prophet Nuh is the son. Abu Talib is the uncle. One is above. One is below. So we have. Ex so it's not like we are the only people to ever experience relations and have our hearts connected to people who died outside of Islam, right? Right, and 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 that's where now I want to shift to talking a little bit about the schools of Akida, right? And I know that you know we're getting a little bit long in the episode, but alhamdulillah, I think this is very beneficial. So I want to talk about you know the schools of Akida, right? You mentioned. You know, Mu'tazila, you know, before we get to the definition of You're that. talking about heresies now, not schools of <laughs> Right, right, right. That's heresies. what I'm saying. That's schools, that, schools, that, that's schools that of belief. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so that was like, you know, so, you know, we have the three schools of Aqidah and Ahl Sunnah, right? The Ashari school, the Maturidi school, and the Athari school, right? You know, Yeah, well, with the asterisks on the Athari, Athari. school. Should that's, be asterisks on that. That's where Because to me, that, and to even to that, how we were taught, that's no such thing. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like saying my school of thought is the sources. What? And what is my school of thought then? Right? No. What do you? Right? <laughs> well, there is no, no, there's no, an I, argument to be made for the Hanbali. Yes, school. that's acceptable. That is acceptable. And the Hanbali school is simply that their terminology. I wish that the people would just say Hanbali school. Let's back up just a little bit. Okay, don't just, just yes. a little bit. Because half go, the people, sorry, yeah, but, because half the, the people that attribute themselves would not be acceptable under those. Under that's that. That's so true. they go after. That's true. They just, yeah. just say what you want to say, Wahhabia. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let, let's back up, yes. right? Because um, uh, let's talk about the three schools, and then you know what 
get to the athari third. What is the you okay. know the first the, the meaning words? of the word athar? And I know some people are gonna contact me and say, oh, brother, this and that," because there are some good people that call themselves athari, people that I I'm friends with, right? I'm just telling them. Yeah, there's this phrase. Number one, it didn't show up for all years. What is a school of thought? It is the establishment of a system, right? A system of interpretation. That system has gone through multiple intellectuals and has a leader, right? And has multiple intellectuals, scholars, that have looked at the system, discussed it, advanced it, etc. That's the whole point of a school of thought. If we can take an analogy of fiqh. Can you can imagine someone saying, my school of fiqh is the Qur'an and the Sunnah? All right, sounds good, but it's absurd. Because that's not a school of, that's not a system of deriving rulings. You need per- a system. Per- particularly with Sheikh Uthaymeen himself, Rahimahullah yeah. said, we're Hanbalis. Yeah, they said we're Hanbalis. <laughs> Ibn Baz says, nahnu Hanabila. Right? Great. Now I know your methodology, particularly regarding the Ahad Hadith. That's the main difference between the Malikis and the Hanafis, and then the Shafis and the Hanbalis, is their treatment of the Ahad Hadith. Right? Mm-hmm. For the Shafis and Hanbalis, it's absolute law. Right up there with the Quran. Right? For Malik and Abu Hanifa, we accept it, but we highly restrict it and don't obligate it. Right? right. As a, to be a Muslim. I mean, as a rejecter of the Ahad will not become a Kafir. Right? So, it'll, so that's the Ahad Hadith. Okay? So that's the main difference between the first two schools, second two schools. Yeah. In my own observation, a little bit the uh, linguistic approach to uh, yeah, in hadith, in a hadith, which is some of them are more literal than others. Mm-hmm. So, like in the Shafi'i school, you have, you know, for wudu, yeah. wiping the hair, yeah, and it's multiple, so three counts, because mm-hmm. that's the literal meaning. Or yeah. tu- you, or, or in the Quran, Allah, you come from touching women, yes, which to them is like the old lady cashier hands you Correct. some change, you touch the woman, Correct. who's not, you know, marriage highly people. textual. Right, highly, highly textual. textual. Whereas, the and I'm I'm not criticizing it by the yeah, way. That's that because that, one of the most beloved people in the world to me is a Shafi'i, a Shafi'i. and a strict one. Yes, so. and and Imam Shafi'i is uh, and um, Imam Ahmed. They said, well, what do we have to go with the text? Malik and Abu Hanifa, when they asked the question, what do we have to go with to define the Sunnah? They said, the man over there is a grandson of the Sahaba, like, Sahab, right? <laughs> the the man over there was like a son of the Sahab, right? So they had they had the precedent of those salaf, so they preferred that, right? So that's the one thing. So that's what I'm saying that the, a school of thought must involve some decisions on how to interpret. That's what a school of thought. So you cannot say my school of thought is the sources. No, the sources are the sources, and how you interpret them that's the school of thought. So the main difference is. In, in between the Ash'aris and Matu, put the Ash'ari and Maturidi together because they really don't need to be even separated at this basic level of a discussion. And the Hanbali opinion is that in the <clears throat> Ash'ari and Maturidi opinion was looking at matters that had to be interpreted and interpreted them. What does that mean? All over Imam Nawi's uh, uh, commentary on Sahih Muslim, he gives you the rules of Ta'wil. Right? The rules of ta'weed is that you have a text. Another text that's more dominant than it poses for you an apparent dif- uh, difference, an apparent contradiction. Therefore, you must find a way out right, or a way for these two to come together. 
a way for these two to come together. If you cannot find a way for these two to come together, like a puzzle piece, like qualification, restriction, etc., therefore you must reinterpret. What's a good example of this? And this is not an aqidah, this is in law. It's better to give examples in law. You make aqidah, uh, say an example in aqidah and make a mistake, it's a bigger issue. How about the hadith? That the prayer of a person is cut by a passing dog, woman, or donkey. Now, Imam and nawi how, how does he treat this hadith? He looks at the hadith. And by the way, Imam al-Nawi, his first source in his book is Qadi Iyad, just so people know. Uh, he treats the hadith and says, look, in Islamic law, if an army passes in front of you when you're praying, is your prayer cut? In any book of fiqh, is your salah invalidated if an entire army passes in front of you? The answer is no. So how do we, how do we break, uh, understand that hadith? He says the breaking of the prayer is the breaking of concentration. Not the breaking of literally the salah is over. Your focus and your khushua is broken. So why is it that he said woman, donkey, and dog? How could he say uh, right? Even Sayyid Aisha says, you put us, uh, she said to another sahabi who told her that hadith, right? She said, you put us in a category with dogs? The reason is this. The woman symbolizes that when you see a beautiful woman like your wife, right? And she's sitting there, she's not wearing her hijab, okay? And you see her in the prayer, you can easily be distracted. That's the first meaning. Do you mean women should pray behind the men? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And that's exactly one of the wisdoms why women pray behind the men, all right? Now, let's say, uh, number two, why did he say about the dog? Because dogs, oftentimes, number one, they could be scary, right? This is pre-21st century America where dogs are the man's best friend. Yeah. This dogs are <laughs> yeah. dangerous, exactly. Yeah. It could be scary, right? Wild dog. Or dirty, mm-hmm. filthy. He could urinate right, right there and you're, you're, yeah. you got problems. Or number three, why did he say the donkey? That's your riding beast. Ran away, right? Your, your riding beast is going, right? If your car is rolling down a hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I left it in neutral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? I left, it, I, I left mm-hmm. the key in yeah. the ignition, ran into drop four, mm-hmm. came back out, and I see my car is riding away in the middle of Salah. Yeah, yeah my car's getting stolen, right? Is that a cool Central drop Jersey four? thing? Is that like, <laughs> yeah, is that like a that. Central Jersey like drop, slangy thing? I got to drop four real quick. <laughs> I never heard that before. <laughs> drop two. I mean, I, I've, heard, I've heard... Oh, you uh, meant like Salah. Yeah, 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 drop yeah, four. four. Yeah. Yeah. I never heard that before. Uh, you know what else I heard from somebody from your region? What? Um, from Basim, rahimahullah. He's... When we, when we went to see him in Italy, he told his roommates, who were all non-Muslim, oh, we were all going to go, he was like, we're going to go get some group up and down. What did you say upstairs? He's like, I, I was going to pray. He's like, let me get you a John. And I was like, yeah. what is it, John? And Johnny Moss. Yeah, That's John. Right. So, I thought he was saying John. Like, let me get you a John. Like, no, like a Philly. Like, Don't bring so, the Philly thing up, man. That <laughs> listener is going to be mad at you. Yeah. Man. So you see, this is what Tawil is. That's what Tawil is. So in matters of Aqidah, the Ash'ari school does this. They so. deny the attributes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Allah is attributed with something, such as a movement or a body part, that we know is impossible, okay? then we do a tanzih, number one, is obligatory. And Tawil is only if the by uh, juristic or the scholars... Um, like if Ibn Abbas Discretion discretion, Scholarly discretion For example Like if Ibn Abbas does it Which he did How about Sayyidina Ali If he does it Which he did How about Sayyidina Bukhari Imam al-Bukhari 
who does it, which he did. And I have a whole a live stream that people can get on the internet, uh, on Facebook, on the ta'wilat of the Salaf, right? For example, and by the way, some of the Hanbalis too, like Ibn... Uh, some, at, at sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to, you have no or choice. Or else you become a kafir. Yeah. For example, what is the wajh of Allah Azza wa You have the wajh. You have the eye, right? Mm-hmm. Right? You have other things, right? right. The yad, yadullah. However, if you were to say all of them are as they are, right? And we say that uh, Allah knows best, but it is what it is. We say, firstly, that's fine. But wait a second. If you're saying that it is a literal thing, it's a thing out there, right? The yad is a thing. The wedge is a thing. The face is a thing. The hand is a thing. The eye is a thing. Then what do you do when Allah says, everything shall perish except Allah's wedge? Yeah. You're saying that the yad is a thing. Right? It's going to perish. So you must make ta'wil and say the wajh is his essence. Right? And their own Shaykh Ibn Taymiyyah does this. Right? So you were just made ta'wil. So you're a mu'awwilin. Right? Yeah. What are you <laughs> going to right? you, you have to because yeah, that's yeah. exactly the ayah. What happens? The shin is gone now? Yeah. SubhanAllah. This, what, what about the tool that did the sitting? What, what element did the sitting? Right? Sitting with face? Billah. So the, the, basically what I'm saying is this matter of when a text contradicts another text and there's no way to bring the two together, then you must make it ta'wil. And Imam Nawi does this all over the book. In aqidah and in fiqh, right? In hadith and Quran and in aqidah. So this is one of the major issues on the divine attributes. Okay, The second major issue that differs between the two schools. And by the way, the limit of Ahl-Sunnah Jama'ah is someone who says, I believe in all of these things as divine attributes and they are as Allah wishes. And we they say the opinion, the most generous opinion in the Sunni schools is that's acceptable. The more strict opinion says, no, you must utter the tanzih, the expression of tanzih, which is, is also in Tahawi, which is that Allah has, has no place, is munazzah an zamani wal makani right time place and uh, displacement right this this haraka right displacement because if not you have to say that Allah is literally in creation on the throne yeah or right. Allah the literally point. descends into the lowest heaven at the last third of the night which is in creation yes which so, means that Allah is part of his own creation you're like a step away from being a Christian right. that's exactly it that's the anthropomorphism it that is why people Europe left their religion because yeah. they're made to believe told to believe that there is another created being above all this thing or uh, another being who has all the attributes of creation looks like you old with, yeah. a, with a big white yeah. beard so I'm uh, I'm gonna let me give you a quick ahead, example for you Allah on the throne the throne is creation right what does Allah mean on when you put something on it require it means resting, resting. it means it requires it right it's a requirement. It's a need, right? It's a dependency. For sure, it's a dependency, right? That the state of this um, microphone, for example, is that it's on the table. That's It's a dependency, right? So therefore, you must exit that meaning. Otherwise, you're saying God dependent upon the uh, yeah. upon the throne. Yeah, to just be like, uh, it's befitting his, 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 the truth of his state and his being. And we don't say anything. You no, know, you have to deny certain yes, things. Yes, that's it. it. You must. You have deny to say, yeah, it is not literally. Yes, right. That's the dominant Sunni position: is that that denial in the presence of a possible misunderstanding, 
the fact that possible anthropomorphic ideas could exist requires your denial of this, right? So that's what uh, the, the the dominant Sunni position, as opposed is. to some of the commentary in the study Quran about this, on this verse, which says yeah. that it invokes the image of a king grandly sitting yeah. on his throne. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> Unbelievable! These people. I'm so back to wanting to doctor somebody. I know. <laughs> Unbelievable! These people. So because a king needs a throne. What's your opinion right? on this? He's study? dependent upon a what's throne. What's your opinion on the study Quran? You mean the perennialist Quran? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's so, so that's basically now. Uh, if someone was to say, I just believe it, it's the attributes of Allah, and uh, but Laysa Kamitlihi Shayt, we the most the more generous but is a lesser dominant opinion is that that is still acceptable. So, what we're saying is that that's the first thing. The second thing is the use of certain logical principles, right? Certain logical principles to arrive at n necessary beliefs, like all that we say about the universe, for example, where does it, where does it come from? Logic. Right, mantuk. Mm -hmm. Right, so that the universe, by our observation of the universe, it was created. Yeah. Now, someone says to me, some people say, right, and some humbly or Salafi people have said this to me. He said, "You are now admitting a source of truth outside the Quran." I said, "What is that?" He said, "Your whole argument that there could be uh, infinite regress, the whole idea that infinite regress is impossible, self-creation is impossible." Right, that is a truth that is extra scriptural. I said yes, but the Quran. The answer to that, and Sheikh Nuh has an article on this. The answer to that is the Quran. He says, "Tell, show me that from the Quran." And the other, the other day, I said this in a khutbah, and a Pakistani man came up to me, and he said to me, "Well, where'd you get that from?" I said, "That's uh, observation." He said, "Well, bring it to me from the Quran and the Sunnah." Right? I said, like, "Okay." The Quran says, "Look at the creation." <laughs> right, <laughs> right. In it are signs. In it are signs reflect. for those who reflect. Yeah. Right, and this is the number one sign that yeah. where did we come from? Right. right. So yeah. al khalq. How did how did the creation begin? Right. So that uh, that is the reason why. And Sheikh Noah's article on what is kalam. Can you post it somewhere? I don't know where. I'll send it to you. Yes. You know. No. You, I, you know what I'm going to do as a blog post. I'm going to summarize it for the modern Muslim. Right. Nice. Because he's writing for people back in the 90s. Who are hardcore, right? Back in the day, if you but converted I, to Islam, I, or if I, you involved, it was hardcore. I think that article is only from like 2010. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, oh. it's just, but. Yeah. Encourage people to read that article. But some people won't get through it. Mm. It's long. It's, yeah, it's it long. Is long. And it's a little I read tough. it a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's, it's for people who want to feast. Like, you ever have a time when you want to feast, right? It's on Kalam. Sheikh Nuh, I read it a long time ago. Sheikh Nuh, Hafizullah, right? He presents you with feasts. He doesn't present you with a little tidbit here and there. It's like, for example, his book, See Without Shore. That's, you just go on like in an ocean. You're literally in an ocean it's in that book. Literally, See like Without the, Shore. The, the title I really perfect. didn't, I really wish that it didn't end. Right? Mm. The biography section of that book, of the five biographies, I think four or five biographies. Like, I literally wish it didn't. I, I never read, read See Without Shore, actually. I, I read it in Ramadan. Yeah. I read the biography section in Ramadan, mm. right? In the daytime, like after you retire, like right, right before you, like, totally about to pass out and i would read that and literally i would just be like one hour past two hour past three <laughs> hour past right so uh i want to dumb it down and bring it down to people's uh to, to easy it's actually a good idea yeah. yeah so that's where he shows that the use of these logical principles is quranic it's not extra scriptural so these are the really the main two points and i have to say with all that we've said uh i would measure the degree by which I would outwardly have any animosity to those folks. A lot of those folks, even though they argue these things, 
And to me, Masma'il of Aqidah, Tanzih, is the biggest subject of divine when you study Ilahiyat. Tanzih is the biggest issue, right? Mm. God's existence. And once you're Muslim, you accept that. The, sec- the second one is Tanzih, that you separate God and remove from Him what is not appropriate for Him. It is so important, right? But at the t- temper that at the same time, that my interaction with those people who I'm not going to go hunting to check, right? You have some Salafi affiliation. Let me come and check your Aqidah for you. No, right. right? Let me come and see no what quizzing. you're doing. Yeah. yeah, there's no show me There's your no papers. Quizzing, <laughs> no show me your papers. <laughs> it's not, uh, yeah. it's not uh, uh, the uh, like ice, right? Show me your papers, yeah. right? And be- why? Because a lot of those brothers, right? They have chosen to try to even to try to come to that middle ground where we don't want to make anything anthropomorphic statements while at the same time not taking the Ash'ari positions. So they want to come to that level. And Sheikh Saeed Fuda said in his fatwa that when they do, that's acceptable, right? If they just say, look, this is Allah, we accept the attributes as they are, and that's acceptable. Because reason being is that those brothers are the same, some of the same brothers that they're fighting for the definition of Islam on many other fronts, right? right? And we can't, we have to be wise about that. And, you know, just to, Drop in one more thing. What I was told is that, and the only reason that this we talk about this, a, it's because it's true, but yeah. also because there's a lot of com- there's a lot of lay people who, you know, they might just need that little extra explanation, and yeah. it'll, and it'll, and it'll, I mean, there's for a long time there was a dawa going on, yeah. like active. It was a t- yeah. So you when had it was to, active. You, so you had to talk about it, totally. and uh, you never know. By the way, L- let me tell you something. I became Muslim in East Orange, New Jersey, at Ahl Sunnah Masjid. Mm-hmm. And when uh, when Dawood Adib was there, and then Ahmed Burhani, and then Abu Muslima, mm-hmm. and um, you know, people change yeah, and they learn things, so it's yeah. worth talking about. And any matter of aqidah, we don't have to just talk. You don't get rewarded by talking about local news all the time. Whenever you're thinking about Allah Azza wa Jal in any capacity, this is the best of dhikr. Because that's why I said, like, remember when we said Aqidah, studying Aqidah? The number one issue of Aqidah is that Allah is more important than anything else in, in existence, right? And that belief in Him is more is the best deed possible. If you did only that, you believed in Him properly, and you did no other good deeds, and someone did every single good deed but refused to believe in Allah, right? Then the one who did who believed in the sight of Allah is superior than the one who didn't believe. Take a person who has perfect Sunni Aqidah. Tanzih is perfect. Everything about prophets is perfect. Then refuse to do any single good deed in his whole life. Right? Just lazy. Loves shahwats, but his aqidah is good. And then take someone the opposite. Right? He does every single good thing in the world in the book. Right? Of the outward things. Being good to people, giving charity, all these things. But when it comes to God and his prophet, he's an avowed enemy. In, right. the, in the sight of Allah, it is our belief that the one who got it good with Allah as yeah, to, to put it in that way, did it right with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the prophets, His that deed is categorically superior than what you do with other humans right. because God is superior to humans. And I would never use the analogy of like, do good by your parents and then you're a jerk out in the street yes. and vice oh, versa, right? Exactly. But even, so because that creates the wrong impression, but here's a good way to do it. So say a person has uh, a child. There's a woman, she has a, a child. She abuses that child. She mistreats it. She neglects it even. Just nothing other than neglect the child. 
but is out there like being Mother Teresa to the world's children, but neglects her child that yes. she has a responsibility to, uh -huh. she's a horrible human being, yes. no matter how much good she did for the children of the world. Mm -hmm. There you go. Right. And you go. somebody that does what her duty to the, her family at home and then isn't is 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 mean and uh, just like an arrogant spiteful person she's at least a good mother yeah. and that's her primary duty if she has a child she has to be a good mother if you're a human being you have to be right with your creator exactly. right and this is one thing that uh, i think dr Chetty, you mentioned before is now somebody approaching this who's not a muslim for example yeah. you know is going to say well you know we have definitions of ethics and standards and morality that are cool. different than yours. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But you know, Muslims need to understand this, that our epistemology is different. Yes. Right. Mm. Our understanding of morality is different. That's why you can't sit at the same table with someone and say, yeah, you know, for us, you know, and for Muslims, we believe that belief in Allah is greater than absolutely anything else in the world. Yeah. Another person will say, it's like, oh, but you know, this person was a great human being. That's great. You know, However, yeah. for us, our epistemology is different, yeah. right? We have a belief yeah. system that's different. Your word great is what we differ. We're going to circle that because your definition of great is very different from our definition of great. Exactly, right? And so, yeah. As Sunni Muslims, we accept that revelation is the main and really exclusive source of morality of right and wrong. We have a fitra and we have logic and Allah's revelation is obviously... Uh, going to be understood by us through our moral agency but at the end of the day if Allah revealed something that we thought was that made no sense to us whatsoever but it had been revealed then we accept it mm -hmm. it's that simple right you know uh, and, and things change morality changes like forget the, the example I gave earlier about taking a life in the in the very first religion the very first revelation the very first guidance included that brothers and sisters could get married mm -hmm. that's true how else do you think the world got populated? That's right. true. And so, that, and that, and that was permissible. It was permissible. And a, the way that Allah created the human being is it wasn't harmful. In fact, it was good. Right. Right. Today, the, the creation itself is altered. Right. There you go. Within the species, there's alteration. We accept that. That within a species, he could be altered. Right. And he's altered. Today, you do that, you get sick. Simple. You're going to produce something that is a sickness. Right. And, and to state the obvious, but unfortunately, we live in those times that stating the obvious is not so obvious. Mm hmm only Allah has the right to change that. Yeah. And that it. and the changes are done. Uh-huh. Like there's no there's there not going to be a it's new done. one. Once we have, we, the, we have the final copy. Yeah. Once we talk about that, the next thing that should we should bring up next maybe the next episode is well what are you Muslims proof for the prophet peace be upon him? Because the idea that okay the universe must have a creator that just tells us he's a creator. So we jump from that to now the actual definite mm. description of God. But what takes us from creator... There is a God to this is the right path. Yes. Yeah. From creator to right. his name is Allah. That's, and a, this, that's a good topic. I mean, a great topic. There's honestly, a, there's a guy that I used to watch a lot of his videos named um, Hamza Tortsis. Yeah. And he used to do a lot of YouTube debates with um, Dawkins. you know like atheists yeah these kind of guys he did Dawkins on the on the sidewalk yeah <laughs> yeah he did and he just he ignored him though yeah he didn't really yeah. and he's got a bunch of things on that starting from like a like how do you like how do we rationally derive that there is a god to yeah. be how do we know that this is the path mm -hmm. right and he's, he's got a good yeah. set of videos on that stuff so check him the out the whole convert con basis when Imam Sheikh Amin last year was up there, and I said, Sheikh Amin, what is it that makes 
someone believed that the creator from the goes from creator to Islam, maker to Islam. He says the prophet. I said, okay, prophecy, revelation. That's the only way you're going to ever know is that Allah, that creator, right? That we say theoretically there must be a creator who doesn't have any of the attributes of the universe, right? The physical universe sends you someone to talk to you about this, right? Right. So, okay. Okay. So he sent. So what is the proof that he's correct? What is the proof that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in that claim is correct? He said the Quran, right? The Quran is. Yeah. So therefore, I I said okay. Well, the next subject to the next Convercon, which is this year, April fifteenth, is miracles of the Quran. Yeah. Through the Quran, show us now that this book is true. Because once the book is truly from God, therefore the Prophet is from God, and all the sacred laws from God. What I just passed to Dr. Shadi is a description of a. There's a series by Sheikh Hamza Karamali. Karamali, yeah. is this uh, accessible, or do you have to pay for it? No, it's accessible. They're up to. I'll pay for this because no, he but is serious. He's doing it for free. Wow. He, so it's, this it's the series is why Islam is true, hmm. and he starts with the Kalam cosmological argument yeah. for the existence of God, right. and he's going to go through every Everything. proof, and he's really brilliant. Um, it's going to be forty parts. On it's on YouTube. It's going to be forty parts. It's up to part nine now. Okay. Oh, awesome. And he's I'll releasing it every few weeks. He started. Yeah. He released a bunch initially, like every couple of weeks. It's been a little while until this ninth one came out from the eighth. But he's going to keep going until uh, he covers the entire subject. I'm going to send a, it to you all, you guys, right now. Yeah. Uh, is it English speak? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's a, a, oh man, yeah. he's a huge item. Really? He's yeah. young. Like he's young. He's like forty. Hamza Karamali. I'll listen to it on the way. I have when I was younger. I took all his classes on Sunita. Yeah. He studied Syria, Jordan. Oh, I took them like seriously, not like took the class while I was on other tabs. Right. Like I actually <laughs> yeah. took the class. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so he, he's giving that presentation and he's doing critical. an excellent job. Yeah, at it. Yeah. Definitely gonna check. So that he's out. bridging that from uh, Kalam cosmological argument to All the way to Islam. To Islam. Islam. Yeah. yeah. So That's first, that's good. He's and he's covering every single argument that they have. So it's why Islam is true, starting with why is there a God? Yeah. Right. Why is it impossible that there isn't a God? There isn't. Yeah. Why is it? And, and, and one of the points that many people think is that, well, if there really was a truth like this, it wouldn't be one truth. It would be many. But one of the things is that there has to only if let's hypothetically say, how can there be many truths? They're, they're saying like it have to have many. They can't be just one, because why would that one group be chosen? Right. I see. So <clears throat> the idea is if you if we were came together on island, we all agreed, OK, there's got to be a maker to this world, right? You gotta be making, we don't know anything about him except he's, he's made this world and he cannot have any of the physical attributes of this world because that would obviously just make him part of this world. Now, we don't know anything else and we move on honor with our lives. At this point, we're called Ahlul Fetra and you're people upon the Fetra, which is a, a break between messengers and you're just upon the Fitra, which is just living by your instincts after that, right? And all is good. Now, is that maker, when he sends someone, if he sends someone, right? He's going to send two? Or he's going to send one? Does any nation ever have two ambassadors to one nation? He's sent two. If they're saying the same thing, one. then why send two? If they're right? saying different things. <laughs> if they're saying different things, then, then we have a dispute. What's, what's the gimmick? Yeah. yeah, then there's something wrong. Then we're going to have a war, Right. So that's why prophecy messengership must only be one. Prophecy can be many, right? So the they're time all still of, saying the same thing, right? By the way, yeah. The simple answer to why Islam over the others is that Islam is the only religion mm -hmm. 
from the beginning, not some later adherent who came up with an argument, from the very beginning addressed why there's multiple religions uh-huh. and how that's reconciled. And also, where is the mercy for people who've never heard this message? Yes. Islam is the only religion that from the <clears throat> onset said, this is a simple explanation of why you see different religions. That's the sign of the update of Islam, that, yeah. it, that it is the updated message because that wasn't a problem earlier yeah. on. And, but this one is the one that goes for the whole world yeah. and it addresses it. Why is there so many different religions yes. addressed? Yeah. What happens to people who've never heard it? Addressed. How we interact with them? Addressed. addressed. Right. Yeah. It's the only religion now, that does it. Now, the, the question I always ask is, right, if, you know, somebody asks the question, you know, why, you know, did God only choose, you know, this group of people? You know, let us assume, right, hypothetically, if let's say you're talking to an atheist, right, assume hypothetically that Islam is the truth, right? You know, we believe it is the truth, but you assume hypothetically in that context, everything makes sense, right? Why, uh, you know, it's this group of people. So the problem is for a lot of people, they don't put themselves in the context that this is the truth, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're looking at it from the outside, right? That's the problem. But I, I know we're getting to a good amount of time here, so I want to wrap up. Sure. Uh, I know we w- I wanted to co- cover the Mu'tazila and the Neo Mu'tazila, but I think we're... Next we'll time? Say, next time, inshallah. We're roasting those people all the time anyway. So, <laughs> those Neo Mu'tazila. So, Which, by the way, that's an insult to the Mu'tazila. The Mu'tazila <laughs> they were, better than were these actually guys. religious. They yeah. prayed. Yeah, they were better than yeah. these guys. They had submission they wrong, to the Prophet. Yeah, they were wrong, but they submitted to the Prophet. They were Hanafi scholars, right? They were Hafad of Quran. These guys are goofballs. They, they studied. They actually studied. They knew Arabic, too. Right. <laughs> 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 These people who want to latch on to Mu'tazilites. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a reason, and it's the it's it helps make you can make up stuff. Yeah, right. You could say I'm Mu'tazili, and as if you're part of that. Well, I think that know. just means like they, they they think that means that they're inti- intellectual. Yeah. Right? Well, what it is is so. that they want to base their religion on their own reason. Uh, yeah, they want to philosophize their deen out of their head. Well, why even? Believe? Well, here's the thing: the Mu'tazilites. We can were, go on for a long yeah, time on this one. The Mu'tazilites yeah, uh, wanted to jam their deen into philosophical ideas, certain philosophical ideas, the quote-unquote neomatazites are jamming their deen into uh, peer pressure and whhims and desires. Not even an idea. So we're going to touch upon that next episode, inshallah. All right, thank you, everyone. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.